1: This is Jesus himself at the same time equating himself, declaring himself, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the Almighty. I've heard the phrase, Jesus is Jehovah to me. That's exactly what the book of Revelation speaks to us. That the Son and the Father and the Spirit, they are God, no less God at any one of them. And this speaks again of the deity of, Of Jesus Christ over and over and over, from the Old Testament all the way through the book of Revelation,
0: the very deity of Jesus, and it cannot be denied. The Trinity is confusing to some people. They wonder how Jesus can be God and the Son of God at the same time. Consider your mom. She's your mom, as well as someone's daughter, sister, friend, wife, employee, and neighbor. She's one person, yet all of those titles at the same time. Pastor David touches on us recognizing the deity of Christ today. We need to remember Jesus saves. We need only come to Him. Once we do, He doesn't leave us alone. He sends a helper to be with us. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Open Word.
1: So again, speaking about the eternality of God, that again, from beginning on, um, before the beginning, before, on, on past the end. And it's the first of a lot of places that God declares himself to be the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And I believe that we can also understand as we look at this and we start tracing these, that there's a very important thing that we need to see here in all of this. Next to Isaiah 41.4, if you're doing this with us, you can write Isaiah 43.10. In verse 10, he says, You are my witnesses, says who? The Lord, who is Jehovah. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, what? There was no God formed. Nor shall there be after me. So in other words, I was before all, nothing's going to be beyond me. And then he goes on to say, I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Hold that in your head on the sideline over there, because we're going to pull that back in a little bit. Beside Jehovah God, there is no Savior. Next, we're going to look at Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. Okay? Make sure and write that verse down so you can find it again later. Isaiah 44, verse 6 through 8. Thus says Jehovah, the King of Israel, and who? And his Redeemer. It's an interesting little phrase to throw into there. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am, that's interesting, it's not we am, or we is, or we are. Thus says the Lord, King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Do not fear, and down in verse 8, he says, Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? It's, uh, again, one of those editorial questions you say, yeah, Well, of course not. Okay. And then, But he goes on. He says, Indeed, there is no other rock, I know, not one. It's also interesting that we find out in Exodus, you ladies are going to find out uh, as you study in Exodus, that there was literally a rock that followed Israel, that gave them water. That in the New Testament, we learn that that rock was Jesus. Interesting connection in all of these things. These verses, along with a host of others, including Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, Israel, the Lord thy God is, how many gods? one god okay the lord is one these verses declare that there's only one god and jehovah is his name there's not a plurality of gods there's only one therefore if there's only one god and only one can be first how many how many first place winners do we have in a race we have one okay if there's only one first and only one last, if there's only one beginning and there's only one end, if there's only one Alpha and one Omega, and Jehovah God is it, there can be no other. Now, you can write down next to that verse where we are at. We were at 44, verse 6, 7, and 8. Now, write down Isaiah 48, verse 12, and then turn there. Isaiah 48, verse 12. And I'm going to, I'm just, I know that I'm overstating my point, but repetition is good for the brain, okay? Isaiah 48, verse 12. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first, and I am also the last. Now, who do you think is speaking there? Okay, Jehovah God, okay. Verse 13. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, And my right hand has stretched out its heaven. When I call to them, they stand up together. Now, let me ask you this. In the New Testament, who does Paul say created the world for his good pleasure? Jesus. That he created it for his good pleasure. So did Paul not know the Old Testament? I believe Paul understood exactly the Old Testament. Jehovah, the God of Israel. Jehovah God, their Redeemer. Jehovah, the Rock no other Redeemer, no other Savior. Now, let's go back to Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. What we just looked at there in verse 8, he writes, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I believe that we can still agree that we look at this, perhaps even we can believe even stronger now that we've looked at all those passages in Isaiah that this is Jehovah God that's speaking here in verse 8. So let's look a little bit further in this chapter. Look down at verse 10 and 11. Now John is starting to get into the meat of the whole book, but we're kind of laying that aside. We're still on the Alpha Omega trail. Okay? Verse 10, John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega The first and the last. So who is that that's speaking according to everything we know? It's Jehovah God. Because if there's only one Alpha, there's only one Omega, there's only one beginning, only one end. So he goes on. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. We agree, it's the same Alpha, Omega, same beginning and end as it was up in verse 8. Now, staying right here still in Revelation 1, let's move a little further into the passage. In verse 12 of chapter 1. And then I, John, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about his chest with a golden man. Now, you might say, well, okay, it was like the Son of Man. That does not necessarily equate that with Jesus. I say, fine, put that in your pocket, hold it for later, we'll deal with it. Verse 14, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, John writes, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, I am who? The first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. There's a lot of clues in here. That's, and by the way, I have the keys of Hades and death. The one in the midst of the seven lampstands, according to chapter 2, verse 1, is actually Jesus. He holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, speaks to the church of Ephesus. The one who has eyes like a flame and feet like brass is also Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 18, we read there that he says, down in verse 18, to the church of Thyatira, these things, says the Son of God, that's a good clue that it's Jesus, okay? These things, says the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. This is the guy that John turned around and saw. It was just speaking. And he's explaining it all here. All of these clues are laid out for us. The one who holds the seven stars is Jesus also. Again, back to chapter 2, verse 1, he's holding the seven stars in his right hand. But also in chapter 3, verse 1, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Again, this is Jesus speaking to all seven of these churches. Another interesting thing, who is it that has the sharp two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth? In chapter 2, up in verse 12, under the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Well, that's what John said that he saw when he turned around after he heard that voice and said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, what you see right in the book. Okay? But we also see that in Revelation chapter 19. Turn down there real quick for us. In Revelation chapter 19, over in verse 11, and I love this passage because it's such a triumphant passage, one of my favorites. John writes in Revelation 19, verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war, and his eyes were like flames of fire. That's what John said earlier on over in chapter 1. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So we know this is Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nation. He himself will rule them like a rod of iron. So everything that we see that John saw in chapter 1 of this one that was standing behind him that was speaking to him points us to again it being Jesus Christ look at the connection now if you would hang with me the connection now in verse chapter 1 verse 8 i am alpha and omega the beginning and the end who was or who is who was who is to come the almighty Look at that connection to verse 11, still in chapter 1. The one that was behind John says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. They're the same person, the same individual. Look at the connection then to verse 17. Verse 17 says, And when I, John, saw him, I fell at his feet dead, but he laid his hand on me and saying to me, Don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Jehovah God did not die, except Jesus died. This is Jesus himself at the same time equating himself, declaring himself, I am Alpha and Omega, I am the Almighty. I've heard the phrase, Jesus is Jehovah to me. That's exactly what the book of Revelation speaks to us. That the Son and the Father and the Spirit, they are God, no less God than any one of them. And this speaks, again, of the deity of Jesus Christ over and over and over, from the Old Testament all the way through the book of Revelation, the very deity of Jesus, and it cannot be denied. We look at Revelation chapter 21. Turn there with me if you want. In Revelation 21, and new heaven, new earth, go down to verse, uh, uh, verse 6. And he said to me, now, who's he speaking of? Back up a verse. Uh, he who sat on the throne said, well, who is he that's sitting on the throne? Let's back up a few verses, okay? Let's go all the way to verse 1. That's why you've got to get it in context, okay? Because if you try to take things out of context, you it's, it's hard to understand. So you've got to take it in context. John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first, heaven, the earth, first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. Interesting thought here. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from whom? From God. And yet there's somebody that's sitting on a throne here also. So where is that great throne? Well, we'd have to back up into chapter 20. In verse eleven, I saw a great white throne. He who sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and those found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before God. The intermixing here of God and Jesus is so powerful that at some point it comes like, "Oh, that's so confusing on who is." I don't think there's any confusion at all. I think it got, as, as, as John is writing these things. He recognizes the great deity of Jesus Christ himself. Let's let's finish with chapter twenty two real quick. In chapter twenty two and let's see. I want to start in verse twelve, but again, to get the connection point, you really need to back up. When we back up, you've got to back up all the way to chapter twenty one. Verse twenty two twenty one twenty two. I saw no temple in it, speaking again of this. New Jerusalem. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun, the moon. Lamb is its light. Moving on down. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. They shall by no means enter in anything that defiles, causes any abomination or lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, and on either side of the street, was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. On down the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, there will be no lamp nor light for the sun, for the Lord God Gives them light. I'm sorry, that's confusing. Over here it says the Lamb is its light. And over here it says the Lord God is its light. Is that confusing to you? It's not to me. One of the other things that's really cool about this, how many thrones are there? One throne. It's the throne of God and of the Lamb. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And every time we see that. And they shall see not their face, they shall see... His face. Wait a minute, you're talking about God and the Lamb. Because, beloved, the Lamb is God. And when we are in that place, the fullness of that understanding of the triunity, the, 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 the culmination of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we try to understand it here and we have a hard time understanding it here. There it's going to be completely visible and understanding to us that they are one they are one they move with the same heart they move with the same understanding in that whole verse there it's so cool to look and see how these things all tie together no night no need for a lamp the lord god gives them light just before that It's the Lamb that is the light, so we know that's together. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the Holy Prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Then in verse 7 we read, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and I heard these things. And when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But then the angel said, see that you don't do that, for I'm your fellow servant. And of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of the book, worship God. He said to me, now don't seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, man, let him keep being unjust. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And then in verse 12, it changes. It's not the angel speaking anymore. Can't be, because listen to what now is said. And behold, I am coming quickly, my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You see, from those verses where the angel was speaking, then it had to be, again, Jesus speaking at that point in time. He goes on in verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, may enter through the gates of the city, outsider, dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you and these things to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Down in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely... I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. If you ever have problems with somebody saying, but Jesus is not God, he's not equal with God. If you can get them to sit down long enough, to look at the, these messages that are in Isaiah, and then all through the book of Revelation, then hopefully it'll open their eyes a little bit to understand. I don't care if you call it the Trinity. I don't care if you call it the Triunity. What I do care about is the fact that Jesus is God. He's no less God. He is God. God the Father has particular function. We see how that works, even as Jesus. And, and that's, that's the other problem, too. And I'll just touch on this real quick. There are some that say, there, since there's only one God, then Jesus is everything. Well, it's not Jesus only. There, There's a whole sect of Christianity that says, no, it's Jesus only. There's not really God the Father. Uh, it's just Jesus only is everything. Well, Jesus is God, but there's also God the Father. And all you have to do is look at the Gospels and the testimony in, in Jesus' life where the, God the Father is speaking to him. He's praying to God the Father. He's speaking telling the disciples when you pray to the Father that's in heaven, pray this way. And so all of these things. Then we come into passages like the letters to the church is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all these kinds of things. No, that's it's just foolish. It's Bible ignorance is what it is. It's believing the lie that one man has told another man who's told another man who's told another man says, gee, that must be it, without opening up the Word of God and saying, that can't be it. How can this be when it is so plainly laid out? There is God the Father. There is God the Son, there is God the Holy Spirit, none of them any less God or less powerful than the other, and in eternity, it is Jehovah, it is the great God, the throne of God and of the Lamb, one and the same. Open
0: our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together, learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available, or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about the Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through The Open Word. There really is something deeply refreshing about
1: being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about Him every time I open the Bible, but He's given me the great privilege of sharing His love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and Well, across the world with the gospel, we're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.